Take your Bibles this evening to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. Now, I kept you a little long this morning uh, just because I'm not adjusted to the new time. That's pretty difficult there, Senor Padre, preaching in that little 30-minute span there. That's tough. I, I ain't making it yet. That's twice now I've failed. So, sorry about that. But this evening, hopefully I'll uh, not keep you too long. And I know it's hard to preach on Sunday night at Missions Conference because everybody's thinking sandwiches. Nobody really cares what's going on up here. But we'll get through it, and we'll see what the Lord has for us tonight. I don't know how that... Yeah, that turned out okay. All right. I wasn't sure if you could see the snake. That's pretty difficult trying to figure out. That's kind of scary, amen? Yeah. What's that? Yeah, I forgot to put the dash. It should be anti-dash venom. When I Googled it, it was right. When I spell-checked it, it was not. So... It's anti-venom with a dash. Can you all imagine a dash for me this evening? All right, sounds good. I'll imagine you all are interested. All right. Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. We'll start here in verse 4. Thought it was awesome. Brother Pickett had us singing, look and live. What a coincidence. Numbers chapter 21 and verse 4. The Bible says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. Our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people. And much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that He take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You tonight. We thank You for the missionary that's here. We thank You for his burden of Nicaragua. Lord, we thank You that as we watched the videos, we saw the faces of the people. We saw the hurt and the anguish in their faces. But Lord, that could have just been for physical need. Lord, as Christians, we were able to watch that video and we saw the emptiness in their spiritual lives. We saw just how much they needed the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, as we gather around your word tonight, I pray that you would help us and I pray that you would give us something great from your word. I pray this in your son's precious name. Amen. Now, I believe I've said it before. I believe I've mentioned it to you, but my top three biggest fears are these. Not necessarily in this order. First, I have, first of all, cockroaches. Now, they don't scare me necessarily. I just think they're disgusting and I hate them. Secondly, I hate mice, mouses. I almost said mices. Boy, this has not been my night so far. Can't think of something to say, so we're we're trying to get through this. We'll, We'll just wing it. I don't like mice. I don't like mooses either. No, just kidding. I don't like mice. And then third of all, I don't like snakes. I don't like snakes at all. 
There's several times in my life when I've had a brush up with snakes. I remember just last year, actually in April, I was, it was actually in uh, May because it was right before turkey season. I happened to be carrying a shotgun in the turkey hunting woods just in case I ran across a snake. And I remember I was walking down this road, you know, and you kind of get, when you're walking in the woods, you just get in a groove, you're just going. And, you know, I'm trying to think, well, how can I outsmart this gobbler? You know, I heard him gobble. I don't know. How can, how can I figure it out? I'm walking down this road and I remember seeing a stick begin to move. Now, our ranch is uh, in, in central kind of West Texas. And so most people would say, oh, y'all have a lot of rattlesnakes. But normally we don't. We don't see a lot. But this one began to rattle. And I remember being frightened so bad that I had a shotgun with me and I I jumped away. I literally almost stepped on the head of the snake. I jumped away and then shot and nearly missed with a shotgun. That's how startled I was. I got him though. I had three shots. I've got a picture, if you would like to see it, of my father. In a, he wears the goofiest t-shirts. I don't even know what he's wearing. He's got this sombrero cowboy hat on, and he's holding the snake like this and just going. <laughs> Which would lead you to believe that he actually did some work in the killing of it, but he did not. It was all me. I remember another time we were at the ranch. A lot of things happened at the ranch. And me and Eric Roberts, some of you may remember Eric. Me and Eric Roberts were in a boat, in a little John boat that we had flipped over. We, we uh, scooted it out into the water, and I was sitting in the front of the boat, and Eric was sitting in the back of the boat, and I was tying Eric's lure onto his line. I remember feeling uh, just absolute fear as I began to watch a, a snake uncoil from the front of the seat. And this thing's head was inches from my feet. I was absolutely scared. And, and you can judge me if you would like. I don't uh, suggest it because it's kind of not in the Bible to do that. But uh, I began to say, and please, I began to say, oh my God. Oh my God. And you say, you take the Lord's name in vain. No, that is the least I've ever taken it in vain. I was literally calling upon the fire from heaven. Much like Elijah and Elisha. Oh God, help us! That's very similar to what I was doing as the snake was inches from my feet. What do you do? Do you bell into the water where more snakes are? I've seen Lonesome Dove. I ain't going there. (laughs) I remember another time. This is probably the most frightened I ever was. My mom and I uh, knew about a bird's nest that was in our I guess that's a gas tank, you know, what, uh, uh, what, what propane tank. And, uh, you know, they got those flip-up lids. Well, Mom had discovered a nest in there, and there were some cute little bird eggs. And so we were actually on our way to the ranch, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> we just need to stop going to the ranch, apparently. I remember uh, my mom opened this lid, and in there, there was a snake. And this was like the first experience I had ever had. And I see this thing inches from my mom's hand. And and we just both jump back and drop the lid. And we're like, no, what do we do? (laughs) That is not the answer. Leave it alone as far from my mind. It's go get dad quick. Because dad knows how to pose in pictures. 
I remember it was kind of crazy. Me and my mom were going to look at that bird's nest and we saw that, you know, we were going to go look at the eggs and maybe even the chicks if they had hatched. But I remember looking at this snake and inside this snake he had three lumps all down his body. And the eggs or the chicks had not fully uh, digested yet and he had just consumed them. And I remember looking at these beads along his body, just bulges in the snake's body. If I could paint a mental picture for you tonight, this is what I want you to think of. I want you to think of a serpent. And I want you to think of the world being what's in his throat. You see, because that's very similar to the case we find ourselves in. You know, Satan is the prince and power of this world. He goes around and and I I can't help but look at missions videos and and I can't help but look in Christian magazines and I can't help but go down to uh, QT or any place here in Johnson County and just think about this thought, boy, Satan's got us. Boy, Satan's got us so deep in his throat, it's unreal. So this evening, let's take a look at God's anti-venom. First of all, if we're going to see God's anti-venom, we have to see the curse. We have to see the curse. Look here in verse number 6. The Bible says this, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. If you don't know the background of this story, let me just tell you, the children of Israel are not known for their faithfulness. They're not known for their uh, stick-to-itness at all. They, I mean, if you read Exodus and Leviticus, and even now Numbers, I'm telling you, it time and time again, God provides a miracle, something great like a, a Red Sea crossing or something great like uh, we're out of water uh, and now God's going to provide it through a rock. Something wonderful like that. God's provided this time and time again. And for a little bit, it, uh, it allows the children of Israel to be uh, at ease. But just a few days, a few weeks later, the children of Israel ring out with something that sounds very similar to this. Moses, why did you bring us to this land? You brought us out of Egypt because there were no graves there to bury us. Moses, why did you bring us here? Is it, was, it just to die? Was, was it just to allow us to die? Moses, was it, was it just so that we could starve to death and not have water in the wilderness? Moses, was that why? And this time, it really kind of got on God's nerves. And, Mo, and God sees that they're not only complaining about His man, but they're complaining about God Himself. And God deci- decides to give them a curse. This curse brought distress. You see, as you read this verse number 6, this is what I notice. The Bible says, sent fiery serpents. Now, in all those stories I told you earlier, if, if, if I had been sitting in a little John boat and a snake that was on fire came out, I would have lost it. Good thing was, water would have been near. No, when, when you read this, you do get the idea that these snakes were on fire, don't you? I mean, you, you kind of kind of paints that a mental picture in your mind. But really, uh, most theologians, and, and I believe, and I'm not even close to a theologian, but I believe when the Bible says fiery serpents, it's talking about the pain of the bite. Fire. Felt like their legs were on fire if they got bit in the leg. It felt like their arms were on fire if they were bit in the hand. 
that was the fire it's talking about. It's talking about the pain of the bite of the snake. You see, as I look at this world tonight, I see a lot of people that are convinced they are having fun. I look at this world and I see people that, that are lost in sin and they've told themselves time and time again that being huddled around a toilet is fun. And now they, I look at people that they've drank alcohol so much they've begun to convince themselves it actually tastes good. Dr. Pepper is what's right. What could taste better other than sweet tea? I look at people in this world and I just say, you know what, you, you think you're having fun and you say, well, it kind of looks like to me they are too. You know what the Bible says, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends of thereof are the ways of destruction. You see, they're not having fun. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 15, the way of a transgressor is hard. You see, the Bible says in Proverbs, the wicked flee when no man pursueth. You know why? It's because sinful men are guilty. They feel the shame of what they do. Let me just say this. If the world is halfway down Satan's throat, there's no way they're enjoying it. You say it looks like they are. Well, how about you take God's word they're not? How about you look at God's Word and you read a verse like, yeah, it looks good, it seems right to man, but at the end of the day, they're going to be destroyed. It's the path of destruction. How about you read the Bible and you say, God, I have to believe you, the sin that I thought was fun, it's not fun! And I look at people and and I love the the video, the brief clip of the boys playing baseball. Don't you love that? Uh, It has nothing to do with your mission field, but it's a great clip. Hey, they're just like us. And those boys, just for a moment, grabbed a bat, they grabbed a ball, and now they're going to beat us in the World Baseball Classic. Amen? You see, it's just sad to me that Satan has bitten this world. It's a fiery bite. It's one of pain. It's one of anguish. It's one that will leave a lot of people unhappy. First of all, there's the distress, and then secondly, there's a demise. There's a demise. You see right here in verse 6, not only does it say they're fiery serpents, but the Bible says, and much people of Israel died. You see, there's a lot of people in this world that, that feel like they're having fun. They feel like uh, they're, they're having a good time. But not only are the way that they're on the path of destruction, let me just assure you, they got to pay for that sin because, with death. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But you see, the bad thing is most people don't know about the gift of God. And the absolute wages of sin requires death. The Bible says in Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You see, everybody has a death date. And it's literally because they have sinned. And it's not only that they've sinned, but it's because their father Adam has sinned. Why did God choose serpents to sin to the nation of Israel? I believe he was just saying, you're just like your dad. Oftentimes when I, when I get done preaching, 
people come up to me, and if they've heard my dad preach at all, this is what they always say. They come up to me and they say, you know, you remind me a lot of your dad. And I'm like, man! I was trying so hard to avoid that. (laughs) No, that's a compliment. The fact that somebody might think that that I have anything that man has, boy, that's exciting to me. But I'll say this, I believe that's what God was saying. He could have chose anything. He could have chose fiery stones. He He could have chose anything, but He chose serpents. You know why? Because it all relays back to that day in the garden. That day when old Satan himself was hanging on a branch, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I remember Eve comes up and she begins to behold the fruit and Satan begins to deceive her. Oh, God told you a lie. Oh, you shall, you shall not surely die, but you will be like him. Knowing good and evil. Boy, that was actually a truth that the devil told that day. And you see, not only did Eve find out what evil was and what good was, Adam then took the fruit and he knew what evil and good was. You see, the reason chose the reason God chose fiery serpents is because He was saying, you're just like your dad. You just sin all the time. I give you miracle. I give you blessing. I give you good thing. And you rebel against me. You rebel against my man. Man, He puts this curse upon them. But I got good news for you. The curse ain't the good part of the story. Secondly, not only the curse, but the confession. Verse number 7, this is where we find the confession. The Bible says, Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that He may take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the Lord. First of all, you have to see that the confession worked. And let me just say this, Christian. Confession always works. Confession always works. You know, never one time have I been leading somebody through the plan of salvation. I get to the point where I'm able to say, now just bow your head and close your eyes. And you pray this prayer right here. And my friend, you will feel great. You you will be saved and you'll be on your way to heaven with me. In fact, the Lord will build you a mansion right there next to me if you can handle the coon dogs barking in the backyard. You know what I mean? And I've never once gotten to that point of salvation and the Lord just say, no, this confession's not good enough. I've never once heard the Lord say, that's too big of a sinner. I've never once heard Him say, that man's done too much wrong. You see, confession always works. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, even I am He that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and I will not remember thy sins. You see, my friend, if you witness to somebody, they come down the aisle, they they get to see the Lord. I promise you this, you'll never hear Him say, oh, I, I can't do that for Him. I promise you this, Christian, if you've got sin in your life, you come to the Lord, there will never be a time when God turns you away and says, oh, I can't accept your apology. My friend, God is faithful. Not only is He faithful, He is justified in forgiving you. He forgives us not for our sake, but for His own sake. He forgives us so that we can restore a relationship with an Almighty God so that we can look at Him and He can love us and we can fellowship with Him. 
What a great promise. Confession always works. But this is what's kind of funny. Confession works, but the confirmation was a little weird, wasn't it? I know that's a weird point. How odd is that? The confirmation was weird. But look with me in verse 7. In verse uh, in 7, yeah. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord. Now watch this next part. That he take away the serpents from us. What are the people of Israel wanting God to do? Remove the serpents. And that's what I want Padre to do when I'm too girly to do it myself. When I don't have a gun that I can take it away from 20 yards and we have to resort to more carnal weapons like an axe and a hoe and a shovel. That's his job. You ever heard that saying, I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole? He does it with like five-footers. I ain't getting close to them things. But isn't it a little odd that the people of Israel say, Moses, we're sorry. We're sorry. Now, Now pray to God that He would remove the snakes from our camp. But you notice God doesn't do that. God doesn't remove them. What happens? God gives them a solution. And that's in the next point. But God gives them something else. But He does not remove the snakes. Wouldn't it be awesome if we didn't have to live in sin? Wouldn't it be awesome if we didn't have to battle sin? Wouldn't it be great if after salvation, God just removed every temptation... God just removed every snare. And God made us a bunch of perfect little ants? I don't think so. You know why? Because God would never have an opportunity to show us power. You know something I take pride in? Is when this church sees a sinner saved. Maybe their hair's a little long. Maybe they don't wear the clothes that you would consider Sunday best. Maybe they don't listen to the right type of music. Or maybe they don't uh, uh, believe exactly what we do. You know what kind of thrills my heart? Is when the power of God works in a, in a person's life and you see him cut that hair. When you see someone come to RU and, and, and get over a, a besetting sin that they, they've not had victory over in years. You see, the presence of sin will always be with us. So much so that when, God, uh, when, when the Bible refers to Lot in the New Testament, it says, living amongst sinners, he vexed his righteous soul. Uh, Lot was there. He, he saw everything that was going on. And, and in the presence of sin, we can't be removed from sin. Sin's ever abundant in this culture. Sin's ever abundant in every culture. But my friend, what a beautiful time for the power of God to shine. You see, I look and I don't want God to remove sin because how would I ever know His power in my own life? How would I ever see His victory over temptation, His victory over trials, and His victory over, over uh, struggles? You see, we, we often badmouth and we often, oh, I'm going through this difficult time. I'm glad He doesn't remove those because if everything was perfect in my life, if everything was great, why would I need Him? See, God didn't remove the snakes. He didn't remove the snakes, but He gave them a great solution. I remember 
when I was in this past summer, I was able to preach a youth camp in Colorado. And, and so I was excited about that. You know, in, in summer here, it's like a hundred kajillion bazillion degrees. And so, you know, we're sweating when we do anything. And uh, I remember being excited to go to Colorado. And I'd never been there. I'd never uh, been to this camp. So I didn't know at all what to expect. Well, I took my iPad. I have all my sermons on my iPad. And uh, I did take hard copy backups just in case. I remember we got up to the camp and it was a beautiful camp. I mean, so beautiful that I was able to just step out my back door and fly fish. Now that was a good day. Like the kids can be playing mud games and stuff, but I'm going to be catching rainbow trout. That was awesome. But I remember while we were at this camp, you know, they had plugs in, in the preacher's cabin. And so I was really excited about that. Well, I plugged my iPad in and nothing turned on. You know, for all you Apple users out there, you didn't hear the little, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. I didn't hear that. I didn't see the little lightning bolt in my battery indicator. And I was like, We've got a problem. I remember my battery got a little low and I went up to him. I was like, hey, do we have power? I mean, we have the plugs, but we don't have the power. He said, oh, we'll turn the generator on here later. Oh, okay, that would, that's good to know. That's good to know. I remember I had every one of my sermons on, and at youth camp, you know, you preach a bunch, you preach twice every day, and that's at least eight times. And so I had every one of my sermons on, on, on my iPad. I took a few hard copies, but every one of my sermons were on my iPad, but I didn't have the power to charge it. You know, it's funny how often we take the power for granted around here. We plug our iPad, we plug our iPod, we plug our phones into plugs, they charge. But up on top of that mountain, I was a little worried about it. I didn't have nothing to preach, and I ain't smart enough to just wing it. I'm kind of winging it tonight, and y'all are seeing that, right? You see, it's funny, when you need power the most, how important it is. You see, God doesn't remove sin from you. There's no sinless perfection. There's no perfect Christian. There's a bunch of sinners saved by the grace of God. Using the power of God to get victory over temptations and struggles and trials. That is Christianity. You see, we, we lived under a curse. But boy, God sure gives us greatness when we confess. Finally, look with me at the best part of the story and we're almost done. We see thirdly, the cure. The thirdly, the cure. In verse 8, the Bible says this. This is God's solution. I'm not going to take the, the problem away And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Boy, that's great news, amen. Amen. Uh, If you could just imagine, imagine with me mothers that their children had been bitten by this snake. They know their child's close to death, and now Moses comes and he says, God's given us a solution. We're going to make a brazen serpent. We're going to place it upon a pole. And every man and every woman and every child that looks at the serpent upon the pole can be saved. That is awesome. Notice, first of all, the cure had to be looked upon, though. It had to be looked upon. You see, it was an awesome thing that there was a solution, but until the solution was received, it was not effective. 
You say, Brother Andrew, how do you go door knocking? I, I, I just couldn't do that. You see, I'm not really the solution when I door knock. You say, how do you sell salvation? You, you know what? I'm not really in the business of selling something. I go knock on the door. And you know what I'm doing? I'm just asking them to look up. I'm just saying, sir, ma'am, would you like to look upon my Savior? Because the Bible says this, but as many as received Him, to them He gave power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on His name. John 3.18 says, He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth is condemned already. You see, it's not my job to tell somebody to get saved. It's not my duty to try and convince them to, to, to get saved. My job is to offer them and present them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and allow the power of the gospel to affect that person's life. You see, we're sending Brother Ricardo here to Nicaragua, and I'm so thankful that we are. But my friend, your job is to not go over there and try convincing everybody and try prettying up the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The missionary's job is to stand behind a pulpit, go to a door and say, My friend, would you please, I beg of you, look upon the face of the precious one that died for your sins. That's my job, and that's your job as well. But it's not our duty to save people. It's not our duty to convince them to make a decision. It's discouraging sometimes when you get somebody close though, isn't it? You ever been there where you get to John 3.16, My friend, God loved you. You get to Romans 10, My friend, you can call upon the name of the Lord. Yeah, I'm just not ready to do that right now. It's heartbreaking, but that's not our duty. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in their lives. My friend, the Holy Spirit of God can do more than we could ever do. Uh, this tongue, oh, this tongue is a wicked tongue. Oftentimes I can't control it. But my friend, the Holy Spirit of God, as He works upon a life, He knows just what to say. Amen. Oh, it had to be looked upon, but finally, it had to be lifted up. In verse 9, this is where we get this. It had to be lifted up. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. You see, it had to be lifted up. Many of you may not know this, but my dad has a sign in his backyard. When I say sign, I mean a billboard. You think I'm kidding. He literally has a billboard in his backyard. Now, the only thing that's unique about this billboard is it's covering up hay. It's just the big tarpaulin that's used on the sign. It's spread out all across this. And, oh, many times I've gotten that phone call. Hey, Andrew, it's supposed to storm. Can you come over and help me cover up the hay? Sure, Dad. Nothing else to do. It's a big Nissan sign. There's a big car on it. And it's got Nissan written out. And it's kind of funny that he has a sign in his backyard. But the reason y'all didn't know about it is because it's not lifted up. I've never missed a sign that was raised 40 feet above the ground, have you? It's kind of hard to miss that one. But a sign laid out on some bells of hay, you never even knew it was there. Many of you have been over to my dad's house at the father-son cookout. And you had no idea, did you? You see, until... The cross is lifted up. People can't know about it. 
You see, the Bible says in John 3.14, and this is Jesus speaking, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, literally referring to the story that we're in now, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The Bible says in John 12 and verse 32, And if I, if I, be, lifted up, uh, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. You see, the great thing about our God is, if you lift Him up, the story's good enough, the truth is good enough, that men will come unto it. That's why it's not our job, because we can't craft words better than it's already been written down. You see, Brother Ricardo's job, Brother Gene Wolfenbarger's job, Brother Andrew Wolfenbarger's job, and Brother Member of this church's job is just to lift up the glorious cross of Jesus Christ. We must lift Him up high. Romans 2 and verse 11 and 12, and this is a scary verse, says this, For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. For as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. You see, there's no excuse with God. You see, somebody standing before Jesus at the great white throne of judgment stands there and he says, why did you not accept my son? This ain't going to cut it. Well, I just didn't know. You know what's sad? Is more than half this world doesn't. You know what's sad? Is more than half the world's population doesn't know what Jesus did for them. You see, and they'll stand before God with broken hearts and teary eyes saying, but God, I just didn't know. Nobody ever took the cross of Jesus Christ and lifted it high for me to see. I don't know what I would have chosen then, but my friend, they just don't know. You see why your money needs to go to missions? is because somebody's willing to go lift up the cross of Jesus Christ. The Bible says this in Romans 10. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they not believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? You see, my friend, in Johnson County, you know what we're trying to do? Lift up the cross of Jesus Christ. In Nicaragua, brother, you know what we're trying to get you to do? Lift up the precious cross of Jesus Christ. We'll have more missionaries come as this conference continues on. You know what our goal is for them? It's not that they would get to the mission field and enjoy the, the, the place that they go. It's not that they go and just draw money from churches. And it's not even that they would go to be a good Christian in a foreign country. Our job, our goal for every mission missionary is for them to stand behind a wooden pulpit and say, my friend, you are a sinner and Jesus died for your sin. And God wants you to come unto him and lift up the cross of Jesus Christ for all men to see. You see, for it is that moment when Jesus Christ, the precious Son of God, will draw all men unto Him. Let me ask you, if there was a one lost person, one lost person in Asia, and He specifically asked for you to come witness to Him, would you do it? specifically called your name, you're saying, this is a stupid example. Come on, play with me, if you will. What if one man 
in Nicaragua called you and said, you know, I've heard a little bit about this Jesus guy. And I want you to come tell me. How much would you abandon to go? Would you give a vacation day? Better yet, would you just say, I can't get vacation days, but there's a man in Nicaragua that needs me to tell him. Would you throw a little money at a plane ticket? Would you be able to say, what's the price? $2,000. The only seat you have is in first class. Uh, I'll do it. I'll do it. $2,500. I'm on my way. Would you go? See, tonight we have a man sitting in our congregation that's willing to. It's difficult for you to go, right? You have jobs, you have homes, you have mortgages, you have children, you have... My friend, I'm just asking you, there's people all over this world that don't know about Jesus, who've never even heard His name, and I just can't sit here in America comfortably in the Bible Belt, listening to sermon after sermon, trying to perfect my little world of Christianity, when people have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. What are you willing to do for it? What are you willing to give? What are you willing to sacrifice so that one more man might be able to come to the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, we have missions conference. We have missionaries come in. They present their videos. So oftentimes we just send them on their way with a check in their pocket. Many times we don't even support them in prayer, don't we? My friend, I challenge you. Please value missions. Please value the fact that there are people around this world who are no less important than you and your world that need Christ. And Christ's love does not love them any less. And they are no more less deserving than us. My friend, there's a world that's in Satan's throat. Let me ask you, what are you going to do about it?